um, that I remember like growing up, like when I would wear baggy sweatpants, my dad would say things. And I remember quite vividly, he'd say only fat kids wear sweatpants. And I think sometimes he meant it jokingly and just in a way to get me like to wear maybe like jeans or something else. But like that made me be like, uh, you know, as, as like a 13 year old who's a little overweight, how do you interpret that? I wear sweatpants, therefore I'm a fat kid, right? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fit Father Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Gallo, and today we have with us a muscle system specialist from Strata Internal Performance in Canada, a fitness pro mentor, a former YouTube star, someone I would call a personal friend. This man is a killer dog dad, a fitness enthusiast, and a self-proclaimed crier during rom-coms. Please join me in welcoming Glenn Owen. Glenn, thanks for coming in. Welcome to the Fit Father Podcast. Oh boy, that, that, intro, that intro came in a lot hotter when you read it off than uh, than uh, when I uh, when we uh, when we talked about it. Uh, I'm excited, man. This is awesome, and thank you for all the kind words. I'm really, really stoked to be here. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. Absolutely, man. So you and I have talked about this a little bit. Uh, we're going to take a slightly different conversation today than uh, the last five episodes have been. Is that cool with you? Absolutely, man. Let's do it. Okay, cool. So let's just drive straight in. Um, let's kind of go all the way back. Uh, you know, everybody else have just kind of said, Hey, you know, give me your background. Let's, I, I want to start, start here and kind of start at the beginning. Uh, you know, mom and dad, Owen, like, where were we? Like, <laughs> let's go all the way back. Uh, you know, where, where'd you grow up? What was your childhood? Like, kind of tell me a little bit about like, you know, growing up in early childhood for you. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I was born February 8th, 1986 in Toronto in a hospital that no longer exists. And I think there were different times back then. Um, we've had socialized healthcare in Canada for a while. It's where I live in Toronto. And I remember back in those days, my parents would tell me that you would stay in the hospital sometimes three or four days after giving birth. And because my dad was actually an accountant at the hospital that I was born in, my mother would be you know, taking care of me, nursing me. My dad would come down on his breaks to just spend time with my mom for a couple of days. And they, they whisked me away uh, to our home in Thornhill. So I grew up in the suburbs of Toronto, about half an hour to the core of Toronto. You know, not uh, not like a uh, very sparse area, but when you think about suburbia, I grew up there. And uh, I think I had a, a pretty good childhood in terms of the, I guess, advantages I was given. So um, uh, there's me, my two twin sisters, born on Valentine's Day two years later. We go up in Thornhill. It's a very nice neighborhood. And I grew up around a lot of really, really cool, good friends. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know how far and how deep you want to go into this stuff, but I always, when I always think about the past and my life, I always think about what were like some of the good things that came out of where I lived, who I was around, um, the kind of activities I got into, and then like what were some of the cons. And so it's funny because when you asked me about growing my childhood, one of the first things I always think about, and maybe because it's been on my mind more these days, is I grew up, you know, food on the table, parents putting me to bed every night, um, you know, no real like so monetary issues to speak of. I almost feel coddled sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Like I had it too good. Yeah. 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 And then, and as a result of that, I wonder if sometimes I grew up like too soft, so to speak. Uh, which leads me to so many of the other things that might come up during the podcast. But yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways you can go when it comes to like, tell me about your childhood. You know, I'm curious, like what kind of specific things would you like to dive into for this portion here? 
Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously coming from the perspective of kind of like fit fathers and the the fitness style, um, you know, kind of what I mean, that's kind of the ultimate direction here. But to to talk childhood, I mean, where obviously you grew up in Toronto, like outside of Toronto, but, um, you know, two twin sisters, two years younger. So you're the oldest in your family. Like what were some of kind of like your earliest memories that you can really think of that are like the things that, you know, when you look back at your childhood and you're like, man, like that was like the peak of peak of childhood, like, you know, early days, school and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll think about like the, the you know, the, the, the fit piece as well, because I know there's a lot of going to be a lot of like men and fathers who are watching, listening to this. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think, I'll, I think where I'll go, where I'll, I'll take this is, you know, I, I love growing up where I did and maybe, I mean, everyone says back in my day, but there's a lot of truth to those such statements. You know what I mean? Like when I grew up and I don't know if it was similar for you, cause I think we're, we're around maybe perhaps the same age. You know, we didn't lock our doors in our neighborhood. Mind you, it was, it was, it was a nice neighborhood. It was a good neighborhood. There were schools everywhere. All the neighborhood kids were nice, but like we spent our evenings after school, like playing hockey or playing soccer or running around outside. There was like a pond or a stream in the ravine near my house. We'd go there with like, a fishing line and a hook and we'd put like little corn niblets on this thing and we'd go fish for these small little fish that were there and you know because of 30 years of like people living around there and I guess pollution those fish don't exist anymore in those waters but those are the kind of things we did growing up so like kind of like an active an active kid um you know interestingly enough family dynamic wise you know you, you come from a family where there's three kids which is becoming more and more unheard of these days as populations get bigger and more wealthier you tend to have less and less children right you, the money takes care of the parents when they're older versus the kids and so you have, you have less of them so to speak I, I suppose at least that's the way i understand things but um having twin sisters often meant that they would be out twinning and doing their things and i would be kind of left to my own devices a lot so i also grew up being a little bit more like an independent kid as well sometimes i feel like an only child which has i think its own kind of host of, of, of benefits and also drawbacks but, you know, into the fit father end of things, one of the things growing up for me um, that I became acutely aware of after doing, you know, like I say like therapy for some time and like my own introspection and meditation was seeing how my my parents, how the way they saw the world and the things they had to grow up with influenced the way that I grew up and how that affected some of the things that maybe I, I like about myself and I love it myself, but some things that I, I kind of struggle with at sometimes too. Um, so both of my parents were um, kind of immigrants to Canada in, in one sense. My father was born here in Canada a year or two after both of his British parents came over from England. And so maybe not like a true immigrant per se, but he came from a family where there's five kids. And yeah, so, he, but he was like a first generation Canadian basically. Yeah, I mean that's it, yeah. right? And and and, and I, I've been to his house, this childhood home, so many times, and it's like this like two story bungalow, and they have one of those like, you know giant station wagons that seem like it had an infinite amount of seats in the back. Do you know what I mean? Super super long things. And when they did family vacations, they would load all seven of the family members up in this thing, and they'd go, and they'd go on like road trips because that's what they could afford, right? Because it's a big yep. family kind of thing. And, and let me know if I'm dominating the conversation too much, by the way. No, no, you're good. You're good. Okay. Um, so like big family there, not having a lot of things per se, um, and like really needing to work for what you, you have, like a really reap what you sow 
old British conservative mentality. You know, my dad and his family, like everyone had to grow up in a room and live in a room with someone else. I don't know about you. I, I had my own room growing up. I never had to worry about sharing my room with anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same here. And that's a big, that's a big privilege as far as I'm concerned, probably that, that, that privacy. Then my mom's side of the family, my mom here, my mom immigrated from, um, from England and, you know, talk about like, I don't know if, you know, generational trauma or generational things that happen. My great, my grandfather, um, uh, was invaded. His town was invaded in Nazi Poland during the second world war. And uh, he spent four years in a labor camp, um, doing where, and he would never talk about with my mom. Like he just never wanted to revisit it. But you know, that was passed, like those kind of like not having enough, being very protective and secure, right? Passed on, I think, to, to generations to my mom. And the way I was raised from my mother being an immigrant, not having enough, coming to Canada with like $25, you know, for the entire family, having to work and build up their, their wealth and accumulate that over time. You know, I grew up with this whole mentality of if you have food on your plate, you're going to finish that off because they grew up food was sparse and it's a luxury to have a lot of food. And so if you're going to take it, you better not waste it. Right. And then this idea of also being like extremely frugal because my mother had to be growing up, right? Like it was a luxury to have my grandmother bake a cake once a month and I can go down to the Seven Eleven and get like Twinkies and like Ho-Hos whenever yeah. I want. Do you know what I mean? And so this is interesting. So the reason I bring all this, this previous stuff up is because, you know, growing up, clean the food off your plate. And then also when you don't grow up with a lot of food, you tend to be leaner, right? Because you just can't eat that. So growing up, there was also, um, there was also this, I won't say notion put, I don't you know, I want to make people responsible for how you feel, but I can see by the way I was raised that my appearance was important to an extent. Because if you didn't look a certain way, that meant something about you. And I can understand the implicit biases because we do make snap judgments about people. Um, but I remember like growing up, like when I would wear baggy sweatpants, my dad would say things. And I remember quite vividly, he'd say only fat kids wear sweatpants. And I think sometimes he meant it jokingly and just in a way to get me like to wear maybe like jeans or something else. But like that made me be like, uh, you know, as, as like a 13 year old who's a little overweight, how do you interpret that? I wear sweatpants, therefore I'm a fat kid. Right. Yeah, it's the proverbial like I know uh <laughs> me and one of my college roommates, it was always like, Oh, it's stretchy pants time. And even now, like me me and Aaron, like my fiance, will literally sit and it's like a certain point in the night comes, it's like, Okay, well I'm gonna go put on stretchy pants. <laughs> right. And like and 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 and, 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 and there's nothing inherently good or bad about the phrase, let's put on stretchy pants. There's actually right. really nothing really too inherently good or bad about the phrase only fat kids wear sweatpants either. Because a lot of it's like our interpretation, how we hold on to that. But that's what we do when we're younger, right? As we learn from our parents, we take things in, right? As we grow up, our brains are in, I believe it's like a theta state from the ages of zero to five, where we learn just by watching and just being around an environment. As we get older, our brains end up being more of like a beta state where we have to actually deliberately go out and learn things or deliberately try to put our brain in different states to learn stuff, which is why as you get older and older, it's harder and harder to change your ways. Versus when you're younger, you're like a, a neuroplasticity brain changing machine. So all this is just to say, really what I'm coming back to is I, I grew up in this place where I was a little overweight as a kid because I was taught to always clean my plate and eat whatever I'm going to have, right? Um, sweets were and sugars were, you know, like a, a luxury that my mother could now and my father could now afford. 
because they had earned their way through life and they paid off their house early and they have this money and they budgeted well. They're both accountants. And so we had more of that. So I'd have lots of cake, lots of food. I'd always have to clean my plate. I still have to do that now as an adult. And that's a, that's not a great thing. We can talk about that later maybe. Um, but I grew up in this place where now I'm at the age of, of 12, 13, going into high school. I'm a little overweight. I'm self-conscious about it. And I, I go to high school and I've got all these other things starting to happen to me that I don't love. I don't know if this is still part of the childhood piece or not, but this is really where I think maybe parts of the people who are listening might really resonate with the story, which is like, I got bullied a lot as a kid. Yeah, I was going to say is like, I know that I had my period of time where like I was this beanpole for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden it was like one summer it was like snap. And I was just like this pudgy little kid going into like eighth grade. And I pretty much stayed that way until I finally like shot up like a foot and basically just my weight just like balanced back out around it. But yeah, I like I my probably middle school, early, early high school days was like the pudgy kid that would kind of get made fun of because I was overweight and like you know, sweat like a mother, <laughs> sweat like a mofo in gym class. Like, right. So I was going to say is like, I know I kind of had that, that same similar feeling where it was like, I hit that point where it was like, I was super, super lean. And then all of a sudden I was like this fat kid until I kind of hit a growth spurt and basically just balanced it all out. So like, I'd love to hear how, like, it sounds like you had a very similar experience and uh, I'd be interested to hear kind of how that happened and, and where that kind of took you from like that bullying perspective of being bullied to kind of how did you mm -hmm. almost turn that not from a negative into a positive, but like how did you kind of maneuver around that throughout school to like not get shoved in lockers and things like that? I've been shoved in lockers before. Well, if I, if I could fit. Um, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, like what was your experience like for you? I, I'm curious to see if like we had maybe some common, common experience stuff happen here. I think for me, it just ended up that like... <clears throat> I would always like shy away from a lot of things where you would typically like sports. Like I know, I don't know <clears throat> about for you, but like where I grew up in New York, there was like a physical fitness test every year and you had to do push-ups and sit-ups and you had to run a mile and like you were timed on it. And if you like failed the test, you had to, like, there was things that you had to do, but it was like, that was the most daunting thing. I'm like, I even today, like I'm 32 years old and I think running is the worst thing on the planet. And it probably, now that I think about it introspectively, probably runs all the way back to like middle school, high school when they were like, hey, you have to go run a mile in like under 10 minutes or you're going to like fail gym class type of thing. Um, so yeah, I was like, I just kind of shied away from it. I ended up kind of going to, you know, played soccer, but like I played defense. So I just sat in the back and like picked flowers like I was an outfielder in little league I didn't do anything because little leaguers don't hit home runs like no one hits the ball into the outfield in little league so it was like I was always in sports but I would always find a way to like do the least physically active thing in in whatever sport I played yeah and and so like I think you touch upon something that, that maybe is similar for me in that there's this element of isolation that happens Right. And, and I think this might even be true, like deep down psychologically for a lot of people who struggle with weight stuff. And I won't pretend like my experience is anyone else's, but it's almost like the layers of, of body fat, at least for me, almost become like uh, uh, an isolational tool where it gives me a reason to be like overweight and want to shy away from people because it doesn't make me feel good to interact with people in this kind of state. And, you know, I've maybe a similar but different experience. I always saw myself as like an outsider 
in high school. I felt like I didn't really belong to any one group of people. I felt like my friend group was changing all the time. And then, you, you know, it's funny because you, you find that for a lot of people who go through what we went through in high school, even though their peers might not say that, that was their experience, right? That was their interpre- interpretation of the whole thing. Um, but I, I remember, I think for me, the being overweight, um, it, it was this kind of weird thing because these days I'm very much a social social butterfly when I meet new people. I'm, I'm good at one-on-one conversations. I feel I am. I, I enjoy that kind of thing. I never really, I'm not too huge into big group things. And maybe that's just a level of, of extroversion I just don't have. Um, or it's not really a part of me. I'm just inherently maybe a little bit more introverted. But I would never like being around like big groups of people like that. And I remember I, very vividly, and this was a really big thing for me for many, many years. And I think it kind of set me on a, on a bit of a course to get to me to where I am today. So I'm like, really grateful for the experience because at the time it was really, really uh, upsetting for me was um, I remember the, 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 the summer between grade eight and grade nine. And, and for us here in Canada, I don't know where it is in other places around the world, the tr- after grade eight, that summer, you take off, then you go to high school, right? And then high school for us is you could go from the lowest person on the totem pole to now being, so the highest person on the totem pole in grade eight in public school to now the lowest person in high school. And as you're going through that transition, you get to high school and you, you kind of realize that there are people there who are four years older than you that have massively different bodies because of that, that puberty shift. And I, I really hadn't started going through that just yet. So I'm this like smaller, weaker um, body, um, you know, kids before puberty have more similar bodies afterwards. It can be vastly, vastly different as we all know from the different changes that happen. So the summer of grade eight, going to grade nine, I played in the soccer league. And it was just like a, a for fun soccer league. Like I was never super competitive, but I really enjoyed the sport. I mean, I had a lot of friends that I played with and like most of my good friends I'm still with today, I played soccer with when I was younger. These are like my, my, my strong friend group. And so we're playing in this public league and it's the, the end, of, uh, end of August because that's when things wrap up for, for soccer. And our team somehow made it to the championship. And there's this one kid, his name was Sean and he had hit puberty. It must've been like great. Like this is like the, fir- the first kid that hit puberty. So he's a foot taller than most kids out there. Really, really strong kid and could really get by and be really great at the sport based on the athleticism alone, not even being good technically, because he could just kick the ball ahead of you and he'd sprint past you. But he was also known in even our league at that time to have a bit of a temper. And so um, I, I was always known when I played sports as, as the, the, the kid who would be very like tenacious. I would hustle a lot. I would work hard. That was kind of like part of my skill set in sports. And so my coach pulled me aside. who was, was a friend of, uh, who was the father of, of a friend of mine. Uh, and he said to me, like, this kid's, this kid's sitting on a yellow card, which means like one more bad foul and he's out of the game and we're tied up at one, one now going into the second half. Can you get under his skin a little bit? And so I, I did, I was a little bit more physical with him. I got under his skin. And at one point I, I managed to strip the ball off him and he was so upset that he clipped me from behind and, and took me out and it was second yellow and he was out of the game. And this was fantastic because we could, we went on to win the game two one and you know, we we're all celebrations. Well, this kid didn't forget that. And he's now in my grade nine gym class in high school. And I become his favorite person to pick on. He was this kid who all through high school would bully people and be like, hey, can I borrow a dollar for a can of Coke? Because you just want him to leave you alone. He didn't want to get picked on. You'd give him the dollar. And so he'd accumulate money every day from just picking all these kids. And so I remember being in gym class and him like picking footballs at me and 
teacher's not doing anything. And then I remember we'd have swimming class and this is already the most vulnerable you can be because you're having to change into gym shorts, get naked in front of all these guys. Some of these bodies are already starting to develop, some are not. And I remember being naked, have this guy wet, wet his towel and whip me in front of everybody. And for me, it was just very, very, you know, if we talked about this five years ago, I'd probably be in tears about it right now. I still well up a little bit about it. But for me, this was like a really powerful experience because I remember what it was like feeling like I'm like just the biggest piece of shit on the planet. I'm the lowest person on the totem pole. And I had asked the teacher for help and he did nothing. And, um, you know, I, you, you don't remember all the details, but at, at this point in time, I would have done anything to not have this kid pick on me anymore and not to be the butt end of all these jokes. And so this kind of really set me on this path of, you know, I'm now turning 14. I'm hitting puberty now. It's been, you know, a year since this. I'm not in his gym class anymore, thankfully, but, you know, I still a bit of a menace to me in school. And which is funny because I thought he was, it's funny. You look back at these things and you think that the, like, this is personage arch nemesis, but to this kid, I was just another kid that he picked on. I was just another right. person he gave a hard time to. Do you know what I mean? Like he didn't really necessarily hate me more than anyone else, maybe for like a month in grade nine, but he treated a whole bunch of other people, right? Like, like, like Kaka too. But yeah. And he's now probably like the, you know, world's greatest like trash picker or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the last time I saw him was like in, 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 I think maybe when I was 20 and he was waiting restaurants at a, he was waiting tables at a restaurant or something like that. I mean, like, I, I don't know where he is right now. I found out later on from some of his friends who were close to them then that they, they didn't really even like him that much either. Um, uh, which is funny how all that stuff happens. You know, you reconnect with people from high school, like 10 or 15 years later, and you realize how like people, like everyone just seems like maybe in my mind cooler than they were then, like they were nicer people, but maybe that's just my own, you know, self-conscious experience from when I was younger. I don't know, does that make sense? What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Glenn Owen. It was a great conversation getting to know Glenn and kind of how he grew up a little bit. Next week on episode seven, we're going to continue the conversation with Glenn. We're going to start talking about kind of the gym atmosphere, the community around fitness, fitness coaching, and a whole lot more. So stay tuned. I look forward to talking to you guys next week.